Is this is this on? Okay, there we go. Great. All right, um, Mylene and Andy are coming around with a sheet. Make sure you've got it before you uh, sit down. And um, we're going to get started on concluding our series this week on blessing our neighbor, blessing and loving our neighbor. And I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you... What? Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I want to ask you a question. How many of you think you've got gorgeous feet? Should we, should we just, like, take off our shoes and compare our feet? No, we're not going to do that. I do have a pedicure, though, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Feet are kind of funny. I think I've got a picture of some feet up here. I mean, look at how funny feet are, right? They're just bizarre looking. This is one of those, um, you know, confirmations to me that God has a sense of humor. That and, like, the existence of platypuses and things like that. Like, it's just funny that God created feet to look like this. I like the little baby feet at the bottom. Um, but feet are really pretty useful, right? I mean, they're, they really work well for what they're designed to do. Uh, they, they get you around. They're important to have. Um, God does have a sense of humor in the way he made them look. But he also has something really important to say about feet. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful. You have beautiful feet when you talk about Jesus. Your beautiful feet. And we're talking this week about this end of the series. We've been talking about how to bless our neighbor. And we started with B, right? B in prayer. Are we, I hope we're praying for our neighbors, that we're walking up and down the street and, and just remembering to pray for their homes and for their families, for their jobs, that they would see Jesus, they would see the love of God around them, and that you would have opportunity to get to know them. I hope you're praying for your neighborhood. I hope you're praying for your neighbors. And I also hope you're listening, that was the L, to listen to, to them and to hear their story and to, to listen to their views on things and just, just to learn about, about where they're coming from and where they're from and what they're doing. And, and so I hope you're listening. I hope you're eating with them, making opportunities to go for coffee or maybe you're having a barbecue on 4th of July, you know, what, whatever it is, I hope that you're getting a chance to eat together. And I hope, as we heard from Relisa last week, I hope you're getting a chance to serve to serve with an attitude of love and, and of goodness and kindness, um, not out of a self-serving thing, but just out of, a way, out of pure love for them. I hope you're getting a chance to serve your neighbor. So we're all, you know, you're all with me, right? I know you're, 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 you're tracking here. And then we get to this last S, which is to share your story. And now I know you're like, okay, so wait a minute. I, I got to talk about Jesus? <laughs> to people who may not know Jesus, who may not like Jesus. I mean, I'm good with all of this. This I can do. But to talk about Jesus and to talk about my faith with somebody who's essentially a stranger or somebody I don't know all that well, are you kidding me? Isn't that your job, Pastor? Aren't you supposed to be the one that talks about Jesus? And right about now, one of you is thinking, there's a quote by St. Francis Assisi that is my life, okay? This is, this is what I do. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. We love this quote. <laughs> now, this is good. This is good stuff. What this is saying is your actions better speak louder than your words. And that's really what this whole series has been about already, right? About loving people and listening and being together and, and, and serving. Your actions better speak louder even than your words, and we don't always have to be talking about Jesus to be preaching the gospel. This is absolutely true. I don't, they don't know if St. Francis actually said this, but that's what everyone likes to say he said. So uh, he may have said something like that. 
But here's the truth, that at some point, if they're going to come to faith in Jesus, a person has to hear about Jesus. They're not just going to figure it out out of thin air. Um, you know, it, somehow the name of Jesus has to come up for a person to learn what it even means to follow him, what that's like. There's times when words are necessary, and it's not just my job as a pastor or so-and-so who happens to have a gift of evangelism. It's not just my job. Your neighbors and friends, many of them, will never step foot in this church and won't hear me talk about Jesus, but they know you, and they'll hear from you if you say something about Jesus. Let's read this passage about the beautiful feet, because I want us to be thinking about our feet this morning. Romans 10, 13 to 17, it says this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But this is actually a quote from Isaiah 52. And Isaiah 52, 7, this is the fuller quote that he's coming from, the fuller verse that he's quoting from. How beautiful on the mountain. This is something you and I can say, okay? You don't have to be a preacher to say that my God reigns in my life. He's good. There's, he's brought me peace. We can proclaim peace. We can proclaim the good news and the good tidings of what he's done in my life. That's something every one of us who knows Jesus can say. Every one of us can talk about. This is beautiful feet. It's just, this is what sharing our story is. This is what this last S is about. It's simply talking about what Jesus has done in our life. It's giving witness. We talked about this even the first week, right, that evangelism is, is just giving a, a, a witness to what God has done in your own life. And that's all it is. This is how I've experienced it. Now, the passage in Romans ends with a sobering fact. It says this, But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So we also have to be okay with the fact that many will not accept Jesus, that many might hear our story. We might go out there and talk all about it. We might be friends with someone for years. They may never come to know Jesus. Love them anyway. They're just, they're, God, they're God's creation. Let's just love anyway. But equally true is that people won't come to know Jesus if no one ever tells them about him. So that's really the rub today. That's the point today. Part of blessing and loving our neighbor and making disciples is to, at times, speak the name of Jesus and speak of what he's done in our life. Now, here's the funny thing about Christians. We tend to go to extremes. Do you notice that? <laughs> we either get way too aggressive about all this or we get way too shy. One minute we think, i got to go on the street corners, I'm going to be handing out tracts, I'm going to be shouting about Jesus, i got to do all this stuff. You know, we, we get all aggressive and, and forward about it. Or then on the other hand, we get super shy and we're like, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, I don't even want to say the name of Jesus because it's going to offend. So we tend to go to way extremes on this thing. And what's funny is I'm amazed by how easily we talk very naturally about anything else. Isn't that weird? 
We can talk about the restaurant we went to. We can talk about the new yoga class we like. We, some of you can go on and on about your sports team. <laughs> Football, baseball. I mean, you're passionate about that. And, you know, of course you should support this team. This is so much better than this team. I mean, we, we are so, we have, it's so natural and easy for us to talk about so many things, right? Can we apply that same normalness? To talking about Jesus? That he's just a regular part of our life. And again, when we're talking about what he has done in our life, it's natural. We don't have to preach. We don't have to make a full defense of the faith. We just have to talk about what he did in my life. Why, why I love him. Why it makes such a difference that he's part of my life, that he's in my life, that, he's, that I've given my life to him. It's just you know, something very simple. I was anxious, and God gives me peace. I was sick, and God healed me. I was blind, and now I see. That's the whole, that's the gospel. In John 9, we have a story of a man who was born blind, and he was healed by Jesus. And um, the Pharisees, of course, as they usually are, all bent out of shape because Jesus did this on the Sabbath. I love Jesus. Like, he didn't have to do it on the Sabbath, right? I mean, he could have picked any other day. But it's like he wanted to just, you know, like get them going a little bit. I don't know. He's kind of a New Yorker, if you ask me. You know, he's got that, he's got that attitude a little bit. Like, okay, I'm going to do this on the Sabbath. So I don't know why he did, but he's, he, he's healed this guy on the Sabbath. The Pharisees are all up in arms about it. So they try to undermine it, right? They say, it must, he must not have really been born blind. So they get the parents in. He wasn't really born blind, was he? And they're like, well, actually, yeah, he was. <laughs> And then they go, well, let's talk to the guy. You know, they're going to try to discredit him. And so they pull the guy in, and they say this to him, John 9, 24 to 25. They say, give The blind man wouldn't even be pulled into making a statement about Jesus. He wasn't even fully sure about Jesus yet, who he really was. He wasn't going to play any political games, be forced to take sides. All he did was say, this is what happened. This is what happened in my life. I can't deny that. You can't deny that. I was blind, and now I see. And so this is what we're meant to do. Just talk about what God does. You don't have to take sides. You don't have to defend. You don't have to know all the answers. But you have a story about how God has made a difference in your life. And that's what we're meant to share. That's what we're meant to, to bring. Now, there's a few reasons we don't do this, okay? The few excuses or things that kind of prevent us sometimes from sharing our story. And one is precisely this, that we're afraid we're not going to be able to answer their questions, right? We're afraid they're going to come up with something, um, you know, ask us a hard question we're not going to know the answer to. They're going to say, well, what, how can you believe the Bible? It's been translated a million times. You know, it must not be true. It's all myths. Or maybe they're going to say, you know, how did Noah really get all those animals in the ark? Like, that doesn't seem likely. And how did he keep them alive all this time? And, you know, they bring up these questions, and you're like, I don't know. I don't know how to answer these questions. And, and I want to just say this to you to set you free for a second, that you're not going to have all the answers to their hard questions. Okay? You're not going to. You don't have a PhD in this stuff. You haven't, you know, we don't, we don't, I don't have the answers to all the questions either. I'll tell you a little bit more, but th there's a lot of questions people can raise, all right? And we're not going to have the answers to all those questions. We're just meant to tell our story. 
And I ask you, how important to your story is it how Noah got all the animals on the ark and kept them alive? Probably not very important, right? I'm pretty sure that wasn't like a reason you came to faith is because suddenly you heard the story of Noah. So if it's not that important to how you came to faith, it's not part of your story. In fact, you can say, you know, that's a really interesting question. I don't know. But here's what Jesus did to me. Here's what Jesus did in my life. And so we don't need to feel like we've got to answer every question. Um, the book, Bless, the authors share this quote, which I really like. They say, good news is better than good arguments. And I kind of like that. Listen, I love apologetics. I love talking about our, the rational reasons for the faith, scientific reasons, reasons we can believe that the Bible is true, that we can believe that Jesus did rise from the dead. I love all of that stuff. I think it's fascinating. I think it's very interesting. But, you know, the fact of the matter is most people don't come to faith because they've gotten all that proved to them. Most people come to faith because they hear something about what Jesus did and it resonates with their life. And they say, I'm going to try that too. I need that too. I need peace. I need purpose. I need something in my life. And so I'll just say to you that if you do get talking to your neighbor and they start asking you all these hard questions about why we believe this and that, you know, I can give you a ton of resources. There's books out there that are that really smart people, way smarter than me, who can explain, you know, why, how we look at these things. There's a wonderful podcast that's out right now by Tim Keller, who's one of the best at this, um, just a brilliant guy who can just break it down. He He's a pastor up in New York, and he um, really talks a lot with non-believers and, and skeptics, um, and so he goes through all this. It's, about, it's called Questioning Christianity. I encourage you to look it up. Good for us to know as well. Great for someone who's asking questions. But here's the thing. All those other people can talk to people about all of that, but only you can share your story. It's unique to you. What God has done in you is unique to you, and so only you can share your story. You don't need to know all the answers to the questions. The second excuse sometimes we put up or the reason we might not share our faith is because we just don't want to impose our beliefs on anyone. We don't want to offend anybody. And you know what? This is a good impulse. The gospel is an offense on its own. We do not need to add more from ourselves. It's hard enough to come to faith in Christ. We don't need to be offensive and pushy and and use scare tactics and manipulation. We don't need to do any of that. Jesus can take care of himself, okay? Um, so we don't need to impose our views on people, and, and, but yet just to share our story is not imposing our views, okay? Um, and remember, I don't know if, how many of you were here the first week that we talked about this on the, on the B letter, um, but I shared a quote from a study that I thought was relevant here. It says 79% of unchurched people agreed with this statement. I don't mind talking to a friend about their faith if they really value it. So if you value it, if you have a friendship with someone, if you know them, if they're interested in your life and, and you're interested in their life and you've been listening, they're going to be interested in your story because it's about you. And so we never need to be afraid that we're imposing our beliefs. We just should always keep in mind the, the very practical advice of Peter. Peter says this, be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. So be prepared to speak the name of Jesus. But do this with gentleness and respect. 
We're not trying to pull down someone else's belief system. We don't need to prove to them why they're wrong and we're right. We don't need to, we, and we definitely don't want to try to fix their lives and tell them that they need to do this or that. No, we're simply giving witness. We're giving witness. We don't need to feel pressure to seal the deal. Oh, you want to come know, get to know Jesus too? Here's a tract. You know, we don't, we don't need to do any of that. We can just share. And you know, here's the thing. Sometimes when you tell your story and just leave it there, people are like, wow, interesting. And they might ask another question. They might ask another question because, because you know, it kind of percolates for a while. Maybe it's something they've never heard before. Maybe some people don't have too many Christian friends who really were walking with Jesus. I don't know. You never know what your story is bringing to a person's life. But you can leave it in God's hands, okay? And the, and the fruit of that will be in God's hands, not yours. That's such an important point. Fruit, the, the responsibility for bearing the fruit is not yours and mine. <laughs> Thank God. It's, it's hit, God's going to bring that fruit. We have to bear other fruit in our own lives. But God is going to bear the fruit of salvation in someone's life. We can't force that. So we never have to worry about offending when we are doing it with gentleness and respect. And the last, the last reason we might hesitate to share our story is that for some of us, I, I'm not sure it's all of us, but some of us might feel just slightly embarrassed to be called a Christian. Especially in today's world, um, Christians aren't getting that great a name. We haven't behaved all that well as a church. Um, lots of fighting amongst ourselves, right? Political fights and other kinds of fights within the church. Um, that's not too impressive to the world. The world's not so impressed by that. <laughs> and at the same time, how many pastors, celebrity pastor after celebrity pastors falling because of, you know, uh, problems with harassment and, and, and uh, moral failure, um, you know, harsh practices, terrible abusive practices, hiding things. I mean, all this is coming out, okay? And so people see that and they associate that with Christianity. So it's not unusual to have a feeling of, oh, do I really want to identify myself with this, this movement? And here's, here's what I would say to that. We don't have to defend what's going on out there that is not Christ-like. Okay? Just because we're part of the Christian movement doesn't mean that we agree with everything all the churches are doing. Doesn't mean that we at all stand for people that are, are carrying on in such a way. We can be a people who says, I follow Jesus the Christ. I'm not going to be ashamed of that. I love him. But I agree with you. This is not good what we see over here, and this is not good what we see over here. You can be part, you can be part of, of an organization that is needing still reform. This is true no matter what organization you're part of. You, it can be a good organization, but it needs reform. And the church needs reform in many ways. Many ways, the way churches are organized, the way st authority structures set up in many denominations, many churches need reform. But we don't follow the church, we follow Jesus, okay? And so I think we can be honest about that. I had a friend um, once who was so funny. She had a different reason for not wanting to be identified as a Christian. She said, I hate it when they find out at work that I'm a Christian. I try not to let people know when I get a new job. And, I, and she said, I hate it when they find out because then I got to act better. I got to behave better. She says, I can't like drop a curse word and come in in a bad mood and not talk to anybody and everything. And I thought that was so funny. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. I thought it was pretty honest. But I thought it was funny because I also thought, you know, whoever said that being a Christian meant you're never going to drop a curse word. Or come in in a bad mood and be like, oh, God, I don't really want to talk to anybody today. Like, we're, we've all been there. 
We're Christians. We're not perfect. We're forgiven. And so we have to recognize that, that actually that's kind of what's appealing, that God loves us no matter what. And that we can be a person who says, yeah, I was in a bad mood, and I'm so sorry about that, and I'm thankful that Jesus forgives me. That's one of the joys of my life that I know that I can mess up and I can be imperfect and I can drop a curse word and you know what, God is still going to love me. <laughs> and there's freedom for all of us now because I know y'all have dropped some curse words. <laughs> and me too. <gasps> Never be ashamed or afraid to say that you're a Christian. We follow a good God. And we are followers of Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ who's risen from the dead and who saved us from our sins, that's all I got to know. That's all I got to know. Romans 1, 14 to 15 says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. of God. It's the power of God. So let's talk a little bit about practically how to tell about, how to tell your story. What does that look like? Um, Most of us think about this in terms of giving a testimony. And by that, we generally mean giving your salvation testimony, your, how you came to know Jesus, right? And we were like, oh, I, I, I want to tell people how I got saved, how I, how I came to know him. And in fact, some of you have probably even gone to testimony class where they showed you how to put it together, or put together a testimony in three minutes or less. Um, this is a good thing. It's good to be able to describe in, in clear, non-churchy words what Jesus did to bring you into his kingdom. Like, we should know how to talk about that. That's, that's an important thing. Um, you know, the, the t- the, I'll give you a two-minute testimony class right here, okay? So the first thing is, is that you, first of all, talk about what it's like, what was like before you found Jesus. Whatever your life was like, maybe you were partying like crazy, maybe you were depressed, maybe you just were stressed out all the time, maybe you were fine, you just thought everything was fine, you didn't really think you needed anything. And then generally the second part of a testimony is you say, how did I find Jesus? What happened? Maybe someone talked to you about him. Maybe he answered a prayer that you didn't expect or that you had some kind of vision or so he came to you or something. Some, somehow you turned a corner, right? You, you came to faith and you said, this is true. Maybe you studied it and studied it and said, okay, I've, I've decided this is true. And so you came to faith. You said, I'm going to follow this. That's the second part of your testimony. And then the third part of your testimony is what you were like after. What happened? Was there any result? Um, sometimes not a lot. Tons of things don't change, but sometimes something changes. I, got, I have more peace now than I did before. I know that things aren't necessarily all fixed, but I have someone I'm walking with him with. Um, all, you know, what, what did God do? What was it like now that you become a Christian? I'm part of a church family, and it's, it's such a blessing to me. Whatever it is that God did, that's a testimony, right? That's your salvation testimony. That's your two-minute two minute testimony class. You should be able to do that in two, three minutes. Also should be able to do it in 10 minutes. If I say to you, you want to give your testimony on Sunday morning, you can come up here and give 10 minutes of a testimony. I would love to hear your testimony, how you came to know Jesus. In fact, let me just demonstrate this. Sorry, I'm going to give you my three-minute testimony. I need someone to time it, make sure I stand there. Who wants to time it? Who's got a timer? All right, Liz is going to do it. All right? So ready, set, go. So before I was a Christian, um, I actually was an atheist. My family, all, we were all atheists. I grew up that way. We didn't go to church. And I loved being an atheist because we used to argue about 
with people all the time about why there's no God, about how it's stupid to believe in him, about how it's a crutch for weak people. Uh, and I was all happy with that. I didn't want to believe in God. But there were a couple things that kind of bothered me about it. One was that, um, you know, how did the earth actually start? I get the Big Bang, but who started that? Who, where did that first particle come from, that big particle? And who lit the match that burst the whole thing? Like, how did that, where, how did that happen? So that was a question in my mind, right? And another question in my mind is, why should I be good? There's no God. <laughs> I could lie. I could do whatever I want, right? So I could never quite get that. And I also just had such a sense of, like, what's the purpose of life? Even at the age of 15, I could see my life stretched ahead of me and think, you know, I'm just going to get married, have kids, and you know, for what? Like, to be happy? What if I'm not happy? What if tragedies happen in my life? What, you know, so, so I just couldn't get the purpose. And so I, re I started reading the Bible. I didn't really want to read it, but I was figuring I'll learn more about this because my friends are talking about it. And I just started reading in Matthew, and I started reading about Jesus. And it, I can't explain it except to say midway through the book of Matthew, suddenly I was like, this makes more sense than all my atheist arguments. This explains how the earth was made and who set that first match going. And it explains why I should be, why I should be, uh, you know, why I shouldn't lie, why I should be good. It explains the purpose for my life. It gives meaning to everything. Like, it just, it just answered everything. And I was so mad because I didn't want it. I was the most reluctant convert, but I went to the back of my Bible and there was a little prayer, and I said a little prayer and asked Jesus into my heart. And that was it. And I can't tell you that everything changed all at once. God's done a long work in me. But I will say that right away, I couldn't lie anymore, which was so annoying. <laughs> like, my, I just got this huge conscience, and I just couldn't, could not bear to lie. Um, and there's just such a sense of peace. And, and it's been this case my whole life since, just that there's purpose in everything, whether things are going well, whether things are not going well. There's purpose in everything. And that's my story. How many, how many minutes? How many minutes? I had 41 seconds left. Look at that. Under three minutes. Under three minutes. That is a story I will tell till the cows come home. I mean, anyone who wants to ask me on the elevator, I'll, I'll tell them. I mean, I, don't, I, I won't just cost someone with it, but that's a story I could tell to a friend. If we're talking about spiritual things, I say, how did you get into this whole thing? I could say that so easily. And every one of you has a three-minute story like that. It's different than mine, but you have a three-minute story. Be ready. Be ready to just explain to people what God has done in your life. And it, and it just makes me so happy just to say, even just to say it right now, I'm all flooded with happiness because it's just such a, be it's, it's my story. Um, and I love what God did in my life. I'm so thankful for that. So let me talk about a second thing, which is, so that's your salvation testimony. That's what we tend to think about when we think about talking to people about our faith. But um, I also want to kind of broaden this out by saying that's not the only thing only way we can talk about our faith with our neighbors. That happened to me 30 years ago, more than 30 years ago, right? So, you know, that's an old story. It's a good story, but it's an old story. I got many more current ones about how Jesus makes a difference in my life, right? And that's really more relevant even to people I'm interacting with now because it's part of what I'm doing day to day. And so I love the idea that your story and sharing your story with your friends and neighbors in a casual way is, can be more about the, the ways God makes a difference in your life today, right now. Little ways, big ways. I like to call them micro-testimonies, okay? So they're kind of like little, little stories about what God did. Let me just give you a couple 
couple for example. These are not my personal stories. These are just kind of made up ones. But these, these would be examples of a micro testimony, okay? One might be, man, I was so worried all through COVID. Like I, when it first came, I thought I was going to die. I was just so afraid. We were washing everything, and it was so scary. And I just didn't think, how am I going to get through this? And we didn't think it was going to go on as long as it did, but still, I was so afraid. And I just remember there was a moment when I sat down, and I was like, Lord, you got to help me because I can't walk in fear. And I just prayed, and I gave my life to God again and just said, thank, you know, help me, God. And he has walked with me through this whole thing, and I've been able to trust him that if I die, I die. If I live, I live, and he's with me. That's a micro-testimony, right, of just how God may have spoken to a person during this very scary time of COVID, which everyone has some fear about, right, a little bit of fear about. Um, here's another one. My job's been so stressful lately. Every time I go into work, my stomach is in knots. And guess what I've started to do lately? I, I bring with me now this little devotional, and at lunchtime, I just read it for five minutes. I just read a little bit, just try to pray to God, and, you know, just doing that, has brought my stress level down by half. It's amazing to me what God did. Micro-testimony, just of a way you're handling your stress at work. Um, it could be kind of what the kids at VBS called a God sighting, ways that God showed up or answered a prayer. Um, you know, I was at the grocery store, and I, usually, I always go in this line. I never don't go in this line, but then for some reason that day, something just prompted me to go in a different line, and I ended up bumping in to a person I hadn't seen in 10 years, and they had the answer to a question I had just been asking the Lord about that week. God is great. You know, he, he put me in that person's path. This, does this stuff not happen all the time? Of course it does. If you're walking with Jesus, it happens. That's a micro-testimony. Do you know how that gives glory to God that he's real in our life day today today there's another kind of testimony we can give so we can give the positive victorious micro testimonies but we can also give a micro testimony about how we're struggling about how we're going through a hard time how we've messed up i think sometimes we try too often to make all our stories have a victorious ending and and somehow we think it's going to reflect badly on god if I don't have a, like a positive, well, I'm just, I, God's in control, God's trusting, I'm trusting him for everything, you know, he's, he's, he did this, he came through with that, and so if we don't have that victorious ending yet, we don't want to talk about it. This is true in the church too, by the way. We're afraid to talk about the things that we haven't gotten, seen the victory in yet, because we think it's not faith-filled, right? Sometimes it's even more powerful to share, even with your neighbors and friends who don't know Jesus, how you're struggling, and you're holding on to Jesus anyway. An example of this might be, um, you know, I stopped going to church over COVID, right, because everybody thing was closed down. I started watching online, but then, you know, I just, I, I, I just stopped watching. I didn't hate it online, and so I stopped watching. And then it, it turns out I actually kind of stopped praying, and, you know, I just haven't been with church or anything for, for months and months and months now, and I'm finding myself full of stress. I'm finding myself lonely, and I'm realizing I probably need to get back, but it's hard to get myself back. I'm hoping I'll get back. That's a testimony. It's a testimony about how important God is and how, what a difference he makes in a life, even though you're not all the way there yet, right? You're still working on it. Can we be that honest with our neighbors and friends? That vulnerable? It's vulnerable. Or, you know, I've got an adult son who I haven't spoken to in three years because he's just, you know, doing his own thing. And it breaks my heart. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just trying to release him to God every day. And I, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. That's a testimony, people. That's real life, by the way. Right? And 
I don't think it takes away from Jesus at all to share stories like this about how God is real to you and you hold on to him even in the hard times. Even in the hard times. They show the reality of, of a real walk with Christ. And here's the thing about your neighbors. They kind of know your reality anyway. <laughs> I mean, they don't live in your house, but they're pretty close. So they hear you and your spouse fighting through the windows or through the thin walls between your apartments. They see you yell at your kids who won't get in the car for the fifth time, and you're yelling at them. They see you lose it. They see the teenager slam the door on his way out as he's fighting with you and coming out, right? I mean, we're not fooling anybody. <laughs> why pretend that everything is perfect just because we know Jesus? That's not why we follow Jesus, so everything will be perfect. It's Jesus who helps us in our weakness. It's Jesus who loves us despite our screwing things up. It's Jesus who walks with us even through trials and traumas and difficulties. It's Jesus who's there when we are not able to do for ourselves, he does for us. It is Jesus who loves us despite, in many cases, our humanness and our, and our foibles and our weaknesses. Hallelujah, that's the good news. And how people need to see real Christians having a real life and trust in Jesus. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. This brings up a very key question. How real is Jesus in our life? What difference does he make in our day-to-day -day life? Are we even calling on him and holding on to him during those hard times? Or are we just complaining to everybody, <laughs> crying on our pillow and not, not ever talking to God about it? How real is he to us? Do we, do we call out to him when we're stressed at work and we just can't seem to get it together? Are, are we calling out to him? We've got to start there, church. And there's no shame in saying, you know, I actually haven't been. <laughs> I haven't been calling out to Jesus. I'm just struggling. You know, I'm just going through life. But this is the time to say, I'm going to start. I'm going to start to walk with him through my real life. Not just here in church on Sunday when everything looks good and we're all praising the Lord. No, during the week when your teenager is being annoying and slams the door. Right then, calling out to Jesus, help me. When you're at work and the, your boss is being completely unreasonable, Jesus, help me. And here's the thing. When we start to walk with Jesus, when we start to call on him all the time, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the middle of the day, when we're struggling, when we're having a good time, when we start like a constant communion with him through our life, then you will have stories to tell about how God came through. Because your mind will be now awakened to what he's doing in your life. And it's not going to take three or six months for you to have a story. If you start today to walk with Jesus, you're going to have a story tomorrow. I guarantee it. And I hope you tell someone the story tomorrow of what God does in your life today. Amen? Amen. When do we share our story with our neighbor? You'll know. But we have to kind of break the spiritual ice in a way. If all you've ever talked to your neighbor about is sports and the weather, yes, it's a little awkward to jump right into, you know, oh, I prayed to God and this happened, <laughs> you know. So we have to break the spiritual ice, even, even the personal ice, right? I, you know, for me, I, I always think about, and this is almost with any relationship, as I try to always push the envelope just a little bit deeper, you know, share something a little more personal. might not even be spiritual. It might be how, you know, I'm just, you know, I don't know, I 
struggling with something about growing old or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, something more personal. And I try to get a little more personal and push the envelope just a little bit. And just here's what always happens. When you're a little bit more vulnerable, then the other person becomes a little more vulnerable. And then you can be a little more vulnerable. And so at at then it, it just opens up the door to a much deeper relationship. And then God will give you moments to share your story. It's not just one big moment. It's not like when you try to build up to tell your kids the birds and the bees. And, you know, you think it's going to be one big awkward conversation and then I don't ever have to talk about that again, thank God. No, it should be multiple conversations, right, as they're growing. And the same with our faith. It's not just one big moment we blurt out everything about Jesus and never talk about him again. No, it's part of our life. He's, Jesus is part of our life. And so we can share what he's doing in our life day after day after day after day. Does this make sense to anybody here today? Amen. Amen. All right. We only have to share what God has done for us, what we know. Last scripture, 1 John 1. I like the way the Apostle John puts this. <clears throat> that which was from the beginning. Now, all of you got a little handout, and um, I don't often give, give homework, but it's a little homework. I won't check on you, though. Uh, it's just for you to use. But first of all, at the bottom is the salvation testimony outline, just in case you want to be able to see if you can write out your own testimony of how you came to know Jesus. So that's always a good thing to do. But I'm actually more interested that you take a look at the top ones. These are examples of questions that might prompt a micro-testimony, this idea of, what are some everyday things that God is doing in your life that you could talk about? And I, I wonder if this might be a good exercise for you in your quiet time sometime this week to sit down and say, can I write a couple sentences for each one of these? How has knowing God made a difference in my family or my marriage? How does God make a difference in my attitude or ability to function well at work? This might be different today than it was, you know, two months ago, right? It's just going to change. Your micro-testimonies keep coming um, over and over again. How has God spoken to me or shown me something lately? What is a way I've messed up, but God was with me anyway or is helping me? Love that one. Think about that. Why am I so glad Jesus is in my life? We should just be able to say that easily, and it should just come off our lips, and it's so great because when we walk with Jesus, we are glad because God is there. He's showing up every day in our life. So we're finishing this book, Bless, and... Um, I really feel this idea of blessing needs to be part of the DNA of our church. This idea of loving our neighbor, blessing our neighbor, being there for them, listening, eating with them. Um, and I came across a sort of a list of um, what are some features of a church which would have a culture of evangelism. And I decided to shift, I changed it a little bit and modified it for us to what would it look like if a church had a culture of blessing? This, that, this would be part of our DNA as a church. And this is what we would look like. And I just wanted to um, read to you these, these ideas. Number one, that every person in the church would have multiple ongoing meaningful friendships in their neighborhoods and workplaces. That's where we start. Every one of us needs to be building up those friendships, those relationships with people outside the church or our family, just people that God has put in our path. That number two, people would enjoy meeting new people. Hearing their views are open and welcoming to all. They're good listeners. We don't always have to talk. We can just listen. Number three, that each person can explain the gospel. 
Every one of you should be able to, in a very simple way, just talk about why we need to believe in Jesus. <laughs> what, what did he do for us? Something very simple. And it's comfortable about talking about their own life of faith and the Je difference Jesus makes in their lives. You can easily give a micro-testimony. They just come to you. Number four, that people think like connectors. This is an interesting idea, that you're thinking about how to connect your church friends with friends outside the church so more relationships can form. Seeing if you can combine, you know, an event here with, with bringing somebody along or having something in your house and inviting a little bit of church people, a little bit of people from your neighborhood, just to, just to kind of cross-pollinate a little bit. Let people get to know each other. Connect. Make connections. Number five, that people make a point. This is important to have margin in their lives for neighbors and friends outside the church. If we're so busy running back and forth, we won't have time. Number six, the church regularly prays individually and corporately for us to be a blessing to non-believers and to regularly share our story, that we pray about that. I hope we pray about it in intercessory. I hope we're praying about it in our own life. That uh, number seven, the church plans efforts and programs which help facilitate relationships between members and non-believers. Sunday dinners are a great example. Invite your neighbor to Sunday dinner. It'd be fun. It's very low-key. It's very easy. It's a great way for people to get to know each other. We're always thinking, who can I invite? Who can I invite to church? Who can I invite to this event? Um, and finally, the church members care for one another and are such a blessing in the community that the gospel is made visible to others. Such a key point that they that the church, that the people in our community would be like, oh, I'm so glad Gate City Vineyard is there because they do so much good in our community. That's being a blessing. That's being a blessing. I'd like to be part of a church like that, wouldn't you? Amen. <laughs> Amen. And you know what? We're getting there. We are getting there. I, I want to I bless you because we're getting there. We're all, we're all getting there. We're all being challenged to reach out and love our neighbors. So I want to go to prayer now. And I just want us to take a moment to just thank the Lord for our own story. Today was about sharing our story. And so just in your heart as we're praying, um, would you just ask God to, or just thank God for what he's done in your own life. The way that he walks with you and comes with you all along your way at work and at home. Lord, make us bold to share our story. Make us unashamed to be a Christian, but proud to, to follow you, Jesus. Give us gentleness and respect toward others, Lord. Gonna invite the communion servers and the musicians to come up and we're going to go into a time of communion. Lord, I love that as we're talking about sharing our story, I got to share my testimony, Lord, that we're, we're having communion today because, God, it comes down to this. What you have done for us is amazing. Lord, none of this would be possible or true or even make any sense at all except for what you did on the cross for us, Lord for the way you died for our sins, plucked us out of whatever life we were in, God, whether it was a life of crazy chaos or, or tight control or whatever it was, Lord, you, you found us, Lord, and you called us, and somehow you, you caused our heart, gave us that spirit in our heart to say yes to you, Lord, and we're so thankful, God. 
I pray for anyone that's here today that, that isn't sure that they have ever given their heart to Jesus, that this is kind of new. Or even if it's not new, just not sure that it's true. And I just want to say that I encourage you to ask someone here. Ask someone here for their story. Ask someone here for what God has done in their life. Because you're going to hear story after story after story about how God has been real, how he's been good. And you can walk there too. It's there for every one of us. Thank you, Jesus. Prepare our hearts, Lord, to remember what you did for us. Give us a heart of thanksgiving and joy. our Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. That same night, he took the cup and said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Do this, he said, in remembrance of me. Don't forget what I did for you. Don't forget how much I loved you and how I saved you out of wherever you were and how you have now a story to tell. Don't forget. You're our story, God. You're our story, Jesus. I invite you to come up and uh, receive. If you would like prayer, uh, either before or after you receive, you can come over to the table here and someone will be there to pray with you. We have a gluten-free option for anyone who needs that. Just ask the server. And just come on up. Let's receive what Jesus has done for us.